I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the 147 podcast with me, sports MC Phil Seymour, and him, the former Triple Crown winner and snooker world champion, the magician, Sean Murphy. Nothing to do with the Apple podcast charts whatsoever, nothing to do with the fact that we charted in New Zealand, in Italy, in Greece, in Saudi Arabia, and in Jordan. But this week, Sean, we are truly international. Really? Well, yeah, we're in, we're in different countries, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. That's about as far as it goes. I am in the most beautiful, wonderful city on the planet Earth, which is York. And Sean, you are in? I'm in uh, Dublin's fair city. One of the greatest cities on Earth, it's got to be said. It's one of the best. Uh, are, are you um are you mental? <laughs> are you are you actually <laughs> suggesting York's better than Dublin? Is oh, that is that what you're saying? Row up. Yes. Unbelievable. Dub- Dublin, Unbelievable. Dublin is a great city, but it's no York, Sean. It's no York. Come on. Did you know, right, weird fact about Dublin, and I'm not sure which way this goes round, I'm not sure, but Dublin and Blackpool actually mean the same thing. What? Yeah. The, of course, they mirror each other, don't they? They like They look at each <laughs> other across the Irish Sea. But I'm not sure if Blackpool means Dublin. And, or if Dublin means Blackpool. I'm, I'm not sure which right way around it is, but they do mean the same thing. Well, I would think Dublin could translate. Do you know what? We call this a snooker podcast that's not a snooker podcast, and what a way to start. <laughs> uh, we start the show any minute, guys. Um, but, yeah, no, <laughs> seriously, um, that's an interesting fact. Other interesting facts will be coming uh, you know, your way as this podcast develops. They will. Now, one interesting fact is this is the first time we've pre-recorded an episode. All the other episodes we've recorded and put straight out there on a Monday evening. Due to availability, we're, we're not able to, to be around and be together on Monday. Therefore, we are actually recording this a few days in advance. So, unfortunately, we are missing out on the snooker news from the qualifiers that, that when you listen to this, will have been on in the last few days because they've not yet happened. And... We are doing this on the eve of a massive day because tomorrow, Sean Murphy, you turn 50 years old, the big 5-0, Sean. Incredible. (laughs) Excited? Yeah, I tell you what, I do feel 50 as well. I've got to be honest. I'm starting to feel 50. I think it's the snooker tour that's done me. Um, Yeah, no. The big 4-0 tomorrow, Phil. The big Um, 4-0. That that makes you loads older than me, doesn't it? Wow. Any advice? What? Uh, hey, why would I have advice? I've no idea what you're talking about. Oh, 
Anyway, I'll just say we should move on. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> anyway, in the last couple of weeks, well, so there's not been any snooker in the last couple of weeks when we are recording this. Um, however, we have got the drawers come out for the mixed doubles, which is quite interesting because if I had to have a guess, I would say Ronnie and Rianne would have been paired together. And what a pairing they are, by the way. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I know, you know, it's a, it's only a, a four-team race, but, um, you know, probably the standout favourites, you know, before a ball's hit. Um, I have to say, though, I think it's great that snooker's going down this road. I, you know, I, I actually really, you know, back the event and think it's good that we, we're moving in this direction. Um, I think we should be doing everything we can in snooker to shout it from the rooftops about snooker's, you know... Um, very low barriers to, to success in snooker. You know, it doesn't matter uh, really um, what sex you are or um, really where you're from, I suppose. It, you know, the only barrier is always, you know, is is is, is um, ability. And that's not the case in a lot of other sports. Uh, and, I, and I don't want to try and promote snooker by, you know, having a go at other sports. That's not what, where I'm going with this. But I just think it's really good that snooker has, has now got this tournament. And, um, you know, I'll definitely be watching it. And uh, it'd be some great snooker on show for sure. I think it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant, and it's genius. And the fact that ITV have put their weight behind it as one of the, the, the huge broadcasters as well. There's going to be coverage on the main ITV channel, snooker on the main ITV channel. That is absolutely massive for anyone that isn't a snooker fan, by the way, that doesn't know exactly what we're talking about. Uh, the weekend before the British Open, which is later on this month. There's going to be a mixed doubles tournament. So we've got the top four male players in the world, the top four female players in the world. They had a draw at the weekend. That draw's been made. They've been paired up, and they're, they're going to play off. And it's it's mixed doubles. It's going to be live on, I think, a mix of ITV and ITV4, which, again, for snooker is absolutely fantastic. ITV4 gets great numbers. ITV gets absolutely phenomenal numbers. Great exposure for the sport. As you said as well, Sean, it's, it's women's sport, which is, is massive at the moment. It's really on a, a huge boom. We've got women on the on the pro tour playing with the men. We do have the women's tour, but we've got women playing with the men as well. And this puts a great spotlight on it. So hopefully that will go down a storm. I'm sure it will. Like you say, I'm certainly going to be watching it. The other big snooker news, Stephen Hendry is pulled out of the Northern Ireland Open, which I'm surprised at. Yeah, yeah. Um... I think it's a really interesting one, isn't it? And and it's you know the last few years of these invitational tour cards have, um, you know, they've drummed up drummed up a lot of conversation. Um, of course, Stephen's not the only player to benefit uh, from such a, an invitational card. Uh, Ken Ken has one. Uh, Jimmy has another, um, and there are other players as well. Uh, and I just, um, yeah, you know, I think I think there has to be a little asterisks next to the, a lot of these questions about Stephen and in particular Stephen with no disrespect to the other players but you know as one of the greatest players who's ever played the game I think I think to some degree he almost you know should get a pass really um, as to you know he can play when he wants really you know that kind of thing we're not golf you know we, we can't just um, produce different tee times from you know all over the place and just have as many players as we want in tournaments um, you know, and obviously with a knockout format, you always have to be reducing, you know, each round by half. So having extra players, you know, can confuse things. But where possible, I, th I think players like Stephen, who've achieved so much and done so much for the game, I think they get a pass, really, for, in my opinion. can play when he wants. Yeah, I would agree that there is actually a listener question later on uh, around that topic. So we'll keep our powder ever so slightly dry on that one, but... Yeah, I would agree. Stephen Hendry, is Stephen Hendry, come on, he's a he's a legend for me. The likes of Stephen and I'd, I would put Jimmy in that bracket as well. For me, they they can have tour cards as long as they like. They still put bums on seats when they do play, um, and you know. So for whatever reason, Stephen's pulled out. Let's just hope he's there for the rest of the tournaments in the season. That's all I can say because he's he's good to have around. Yeah, anyway, with there being no snooker in the last couple of weeks, we can do something ever so slightly different. Now, this is one. If you are a snooker fan. Share your opinions with us on what we're about to go through all over social media at 147pod. That's the words, 147pod. If you're not a snooker fan, listen up, because hopefully this will give you a bit of an insight into the top 16 players in the world. And then when you do start watching the snooker, having listened to this podcast, you will know who you're watching, and hopefully you'll know a few 
things about them. So what we're going to do is go through the top 16 in the world from 16 to 1. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. Sean is going to tell you a little bit more about them, more on a personal level, what they're like around the table and what kind of chances they've got in the season. So we will start with the world number 16, who I am never again calling the walnut, <laughs> Ricky Walden. Three-time ranking event winner. Uh, look back to his best last season, three semi-finals, Northern Ireland Open, German Masters, and the Players' Championship as well. Got through to stage three of the recent Championship League, dispatching you on the way, Sean. Ricky Walden, what's he like? Yeah, you're going to hear me say this quite a lot because it's true. Um, Ricky's one of those people that you just wouldn't hear a bad word said about him. Um, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to know Ricky for the best part of 30 years. And, um, you know, we got on immediately as kids. We were on the junior tour together. Our families all knew each other. Uh, and one weekend he beat me. The next weekend I'd beat him. And it, we just grew up together playing. A real player's player, you know, um, what we call a shaper in snooker. Um, you know, he play a lot of shots with a lot of side spin, play some very flamboyant shots, very aggressive player, as everyone knows. And on his day, when all that talent comes together, um, he can be absolutely anybody because he plays that shaping style because he plays with so much side spin his game is a little bit more attuned to conditions out in the far east which is why a lot of his success has been out in that part of the world he, his, his, his playing style suits the playing conditions of, of Shanghai or somewhere like that um, but in general real nice guy great player yeah, certainly. He's had his injury problems, um, it's fair to say, and I think that that has really hampered his career. But, fingers crossed and, and touch wood, last season he did look back to his best, so hopefully, big season ahead for Ricky Walden. Right, number 15 in the world is Yan Bing Tao, the former Masters winner, last season semi-finalist in the Champion of Champions, Northern Ireland Open, finalist in the German Masters. He's still only 22. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? He just It just feels like he's been around a long time, doesn't it? Because I think he jumped onto the circuit when he was maybe 15 or something. I think we know. So we've seen him for seven or eight seasons now. Um, feels like he's been around forever. Uh, and for me, he's, he, he's the player of that um, of the Chinese contingent who is just a little bit different. He, he has that streetwise, street fighter quality about him that, you know, a lot of the other young, the young players don't have. Um, and I suppose... That's actually nothing to do with the Chinese contingent. Uh, you know, I would take that back. I, I mean, just in terms of, you know, young players in general, he has that, you know, if you put it up to him, if you square up to him in a fight on the table, he'll hit you back, you know, in snooker terms. He's not frightened of a tear-up. Um, whereas some young players, if you if you stick one on their chin, they crumble, you know. Um, whereas, you know, Bintao isn't like that. I said this during commentary at the World Championships, though, and I, and I, and I don't mean this unfairly i think i think this is fairly fair to say this for me he still has to prove himself in the big big tournaments i know he's won the masters um but you know it was a masters that was played behind closed doors um there was nobody there yes he, he won the tournament he beat the top 16 he, you know he can only beat what's in front of you and they can never take his name off the trophy um however you know playing in front of big big crowds in the marquee events for me he still he still needs to prove himself in that environment. Yeah, I, I would wouldn't disagree with that actually. Um, and you know he has been known to crumble at times, but he is that he's that physical and mental presence, isn't he? Which you probably don't get normally with a twenty two year old. So just for any non snooker fans that have never seen it as well, Google Yan Bing Tao Rob Walker. Find the video on YouTube that World Snooker Tour did because it is absolute gold. Rob Walker is effectively Alan Partridge. Going through, he, he nearly gets bitten by Bing Tao's dog. He goes through his fridge. It is a wonderful piece of video. So just Google Yan Bing Tao, B-I-N-G-T-A-O, Rob Walker. You'll see what I mean and thank me for it later because it is absolutely brilliant. Anyway, moving on to world number 14, the Pistol Mark Allen, six-time ranking event winner. Last year, he, he achieved his dream. He won the Northern Ireland Open with a, a comeback 9-8 win over John Higgins. He's had a few issues off the table, but when he's firing the pistol, he's as good as anyone, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And uh, one of my best mates, you know, uh, you know, in the world. 
um, we've we've suffered together. Um, you know, following Man United around for years and years and years, and uh, you know, uh, we've suffered together on the table as well. We've had moments of brilliance and moments of disaster against each other, pulling for each other, supporting each other. Uh, but you're right, on his day, you know, he could beat anyone and has beaten every single player on the tour. Um, I don't think there's anyone who are out there who, you know, if they draw Mark Allen, you know, it's not an easy draw. Um, everyone would go, oh, this is going to be tough. You know, he's going to give you hell. And uh, as I say, when 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 everything comes together, um, you know, he's a real, real handful, real good scorer, has that lovely touch in around the pink and the black spot areas. You know, if you had somebody who you needed to make a break for your life, you know, he would be up there. Um, perhaps... And it sounds silly to say this, as you say, just won his home, you know, tournament last season, former Masters champion, perhaps has underachieved slightly, you know, so far in his career. I think everyone had him pegged as a future potential world champion, and he and he still is a potential world champion. Um, but you know, there's 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 something at the moment, there's something that consistently holds him back at Sheffield, particularly. And I think once he once he finds out what that is and and gets rid of it. Um, he could be a real big time winner, and he's a lot of fun to have around, isn't he? Oh, he is. I mean, we've played it. We've we've played a few practical jokes on each other over the years, and we've shared some really funny journeys. Uh, most of the stories of which I can't tell on this podcast. <laughs> I but, shall uh, go no further on that line. Let's no move on, on to one. the world number thirteen, who a player I think slightly forgotten at the moment, actually, which is Ballrun himself, Stuart Bingham, another six-time ranking event winner, former world champion. Quiet season last year, really. Semi-final of the World Grand Prix. I think from a, a ranking points perspective, Stuart needs a big season, doesn't he? Yeah, well, he's not the only one in that boat. I think I'm in that boat as well. And, and I, of course, you know, um, Stuart beat me in the World Final in 15. So, uh, you know, no one knows uh, as, as well as I do, you know, just how good he is on his day. Um, what I would say about Stuart is he is an absolute devastating scorer. Um, got the nickname Ball Run because he has a bit of luck every now and again. I mean, obviously, you can't quantify that. I'm sure Ball Run is just because it starts with a B and it's just alliteration more than anything <laughs> else. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, on his, when, when he gets his scoring boots on, he's as good a scorer as anyone in the game and he will make more 50, 60, 70 breaks than almost any other player almost every other season, I think. Um, very, very high scorer. Uh, and a bit of a throwback to sort of a more old-fashioned style player, very gritty, willing to willing to get down and dirty in the in the trenches. You know, not frightened of playing safety battles with players, not frightened to get his hands dirty. And as I say, you know, a, a former world champion uh, and Masters champion, and of course, just looking for that UK championship to complete the the triple crown set. Um, that's a big monkey to carry on your back for a while. I carried it for seven years. Um, and, uh, you know, every time Stuart rocks up to the Barbican in the best city in the world, apparently, uh, he's he's going to have that on his back. He will do. What I will say about Stuart is massive, massive snooker nut. And, I mean, the, the guy loves snooker. If, if if he went to a desert island, the one thing he would want is a snooker table. You know, it's literally, he is a complete and utter snooker nut. He loves the sport. Um, and, and yeah, he's going to be fighting and scrapping this year, I'm absolutely sure. World number 12, Barry Hawkins, three-time ranking event winner. He's a bit of a quiet man of snooker, is Barry. Lovely bloke, bit of a quiet man. Um, finalist in the Masters and the Players' Championship last season. He, he had a decent season, actually. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's the typical player when, when his name comes out against you in the draw. You just take a deep breath because you know you're in for you know a real tough game. I've played him in matches of various lengths. I think the longest being the semis of the World Championship. Played him in the Northern Irish. Played him in different home nations events and as I say, matches of all lengths. Uh, he's beat me a few times at the Masters. He's just super, super solid. You know, if he was a Pokemon card, you know, he's scoring so highly in all departments. Um, you know, his safety's top drawer, his potting and break building's excellent, his long game's great, uh, his character's very good, he's got bottle, he's got a good technique. Um, you know, he's a very, very complete snooker player. And I think had he not have run into some superheroes himself, um, he might have a few bigger trophies tucked away in his cabinet, you know, I think at the moment. He's been unfortunate. Um, you know, I think he ran into O'Sullivan in the World Championship final a few years ago. Um, a bit like Ali Carter as well, you know, just just ran into the wrong person at the wrong time. 
Um, and Barry's probably been a bit like that. Again, falls into the Ricky Walden character, uh, you know, camp of no one has a bad word to say about Barry Hawkins, and um, you know, a real nice fella as well off the table. Yeah, he is a lovely bloke, is Barry. Now, another player who who runs into the the wrong players in finals is the world number eleven, which is Jack Pot himself, Jack Lizowski. It, it's cliched, but it's a cliche because it's true. He has got to be the best player to have not won a ranking event. Six finals, he's lost in three to, to his best mate, Judd Trump. He's lost in two to Neil Robertson and one to Mark Selby. Little bit of a quiet season for him last season, after a, a real good season the, the year before. Um, got to the, the semi-finals of the Welsh Open. Um, Jack's, he's, he's got to step up. He did well in Sheffield this year, didn't he? I think he knocked uh, Neil Robertson out. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he did have a good run in Sheffield uh, and, and he played some terrific snooker in that tournament. Um, and then you know we 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 sort of pitched pitched on together on the the BBC team for for some of the remainder of the tournament, and you know he's great fun to be around. He's a really nice character away from the table, um, but on the table, I mean, I, I've got him down as one of the most gifted snooker players I've ever seen. Uh, he, you know, he would be in that group of players who, if they're playing, you know, I will try to watch. You know, because he's just he's just so easy on the eye. Um, you know, seems to just pop balls for fun and when it's all about when it connects when that talent and hard work connect you know he can just play shots that other players can't even imagine you know he's devastating to watch but you know having lost in so many finals now at some stage that must start to leave a mark um and it just makes getting over that line as he will you know i'm sure he absolutely will take a trophy home with him at some stage in the future um, but it just becomes a much tougher job having taken so many defeats en route to that moment. Uh, winning's not easy, especially when you're running into, as I said about Barry Hawkins, when you keep running into superheroes all the time, it, it, it's not easy. And Judd Trump was on great form those few finals they played. It's also not easy playing your mates. Uh, and there's a potential, I think, particularly with the with the younger generation, with the new gen. one of the things I see on tour there's a lot more friendships on tour than there was when I joined the tour, which is lovely. It makes the tour a better place to be. But in terms of winning, um, I'm not sure Stephen Hendry would have been uh, signing <laughs> up to that. I was going to say, Hendry would, uh, he'd massively disagree with that. But again, Jack, away from the table, one of the nicest guys you could meet. I had to interview him live on Eurosport after his sixth final defeat. And I was dreading it going out there. And do you know what? He actually... The, the character that he's got actually made it so easy for me to interview him because it wasn't awkward, it wasn't difficult. He's just, he's such a nice lad. And do you know what? When he does, when he does win that ranking title, there'll be a lot of people stood up clapping their hands and a lot of people on the tour as well because he's a very popular lad. Now, the world number 10. The world number 10 is the magician, Sean Murphy. He's a nine-time ranking event winner, former world champion, triple crown winner. A year and a half ago, he was in the Crucible final. Um, He's had a few injury issues last year, but he seems to be coming out of that. Now, Sean, I'm not going to give you a chance to blow your own trumpet. Instead, on the eve of your 40th birthday, I'm going to ask you some quiz questions. So how well does Sean Murphy know Sean Murphy's World Championship win in 2005? Confident, Sean? No. Now, I've I've dropped this on you, haven't I? I'm not confident at all. Okay, we're going to go through who you played and what the score was. In the last 64, who did you play? In the last 64... This was uh, your qualifier. I do, I do remember it was the last qualifier. I played Joe Swale. Oh, I've got a uh, game before that one. Joe Swale you, was the last 48. I've got the last 64. Oh, sorry, the last... for Sorry, you're right. I've, see, I've, that's how long ago it is. I've forgotten <laughs> my whole setup. The last 64 was Marcus Campbell. And you won? Thank you very much. Score? <laughs> oh, no. I'm, uh, oh, goodness. Um, well, it was 10, I'm going to say 10, 5. It was 10, 3. Unfortunate. In the last 48, who did you play? You've just said it. Played Joe Swale. And what score did you win by? 10, 8. 10, 8. That's correct, Sean. In the last 32, 
you played. Can I just take a moment and say that that Joe Swale match was an unbelievable match, by the way. We both <laughs> played brilliant snooker. Class player, Joe Swale. Brilliant player. Brilliant Class player. player. Brilliant bloke as well. Brilliant bloke. Last 32, who did you play? Well, it was a bit of a sad one, really, because I think this this might have been his last match, actually, on tour. Um, he suffered terrible problems with his back and, he, you know, terrible, terrible injury, particularly for a snooker player. Real nice guy. Uh, LG Cup winner, uh, Chris Small. It was Chris Small. And what score did you win by? I think that was 10-5. It was 10-5. Well done, Sean. Good answer. In the last 16, who was your opponent? Oh, well, I remember this because he was my... Every time I got to, like, my personal best at that stage of my career, I kept running into him, John Higgins. It was the Wizard of Wishaw himself, John Higgins. And what score did you win by? I'm going to say 13-9. Incorrect, magician. 13-8. Was it 13-8? I remember being eight frames all. I'm sure we were eight frames all. But I don't remember winning five on the Eight bounce. Frames all. You won five on the bounce against John Higgins. That Goodness doesn't me. sound right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't sound right at all. Anyway, moving on to the quarterfinal. Who did you play? Quarterfinals, um, I think was my hero. I think it was Steve Davis. It certainly was Steve. I was with Steve Davis last week, actually, at the fishing. It was Steve Davis. What score did you win by? I think it was something like 13... Four. Oh, he's got it right. 13-4. That's a great shout. And go on, then supplementary question. Who was the referee that day? <laughs> Do you want a clue? Yeah. His suitcase smells of wee. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, guys, you'll have to go back and listen to the previous episode for that, for that in-joke. Uh, well, it can be the only one and only Irene Williams. It was Irene Williams, that's correct. Now, if you've not listened to the last podcast, please listen to it. That will make sense, okay? Irene is not some weirdo with strange luggage. There's a story behind <laughs> it. Listen to episode number three. Semi-final, who did you play? Well, it's an interesting one. Um, it was interesting for a lot of reasons. This, this was the day after he beat O'Sullivan in that sort of very controversial match. Um, and of course, you know, I'm 22 years of age having a run at the Crucible. I don't really want to play Ronnie. Um, so I was egging on Peter Ebden. It was Peter Ebden. And what score did you win by? I can see the Murphy brain whirring over in Dublin. Well, I, I do remember this um, because I lost the first session very heavily and I managed to peg him back over the next two. And by the start of the last session, we stood 12 frames each. And I did win five on the bounce and beat him 17-12. You certainly did. So since you got that right then, come on, you're on a roll. Who's the referee that day? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Colin Brindead. Oh, so close. <laughs> but no cigar. It was Paul Collier. Was it? The, the top man, Paul Collier. How could you forget that? Shocking. How and then in the final... You're going to know, that, let's be honest, you know this. You beat Matthew Stevens, 18-16. The referee, of course, was? Mr. Smelly Luggage himself. It was Mr. Smelly Luggage himself, Irian Williams. What was your highest break in the final, Sean? Final question of this section. What was your highest break in that final? Goodness. Uh, 128. And you finish on a loss. A 137 in the final at the Crucible. How can you forget that? Was it? God, I was good then, you know. I could <laughs> Then. Yeah, long, long, long time ago now, Sean. Long, long, long time no, ago. No, let's not go there. <laughs> anyway. I used to be decent at snooker, you know. That was the world what number happened? 10. That was the world number 10, Sean Murphy, who this season is going to have a massive season. Aren't you, Sean? Possibly. I'm making <laughs> no promises. I love that positive mental attitude you bring. <laughs> Moving on. So the world number nine, Luca Brissell. Right, three ranking titles. He's just added Championship League. Um, to last season's Scottish Open in the 2017 China Championship. UK Championship finalist last year, Luca Brissell is a player in real form, isn't he? Yeah, red hot. I was very impressed, actually, um, with Luca last season. Um, you know, very pleased for him that he won the Scottish, you know, uh, uh, and particularly what impressed me about it, as I've said this a few times, actually, 
what I was most impressed was not only with the way he played in the Scottish Open, but it was actually the fact that it followed days after losing in the final of the UK Championship. You know, triple crown event, big major sporting event, definitely in the UK anyway. And to dust yourself off from a defeat like that, um, where he was probably favourite to beat Zing Tung, in all, fa- you know, in all fairness, um, to dust yourself down, get back in the car, drive across the country to Landudno for the Scottish Open, which is weird in itself, uh, and to get through the home nations events, which aren't easy to get through, short formats and all the rest of it, and to come out the other end as a winner, really shows me that the you know inside Luca is a is a, a very strong, you know, very strong person in there, uh, as well as bundles of talent. Um, but that character in there, you know, was questioned a little bit, I think, in his early career. Took him a long time to break through, um, even though he's the youngest player to ever play at the Crucible. Um, just took him a little bit longer than I think a few thought. But deep in there is is steel, and um, it was very impressive. And he's hit the ground running this season with that the ranking event Championship League victory already. So, yeah, keep an eye on Luca Brussel. He is, uh, he's up for a big year, I think. World number eight is the Warrior, Kyron Wilson. Four ranking event wins. Um, funny season last season. Semi-finals of the Champions, Champions in the UK Championship. I don't know, I look at Kyron, he had such a, a really solid season the season before. I think he made goodness knows how many quarterfinals and semi-finals. Just seemed a little bit flat last year. Yeah, I think it's very hard to keep up that level of consistency, isn't it? I actually was... Um, I was actually looking at some stats there recently enough and um, there's a stat out there about players who've won the most matches in the last couple of seasons. Now that takes in all professional tournaments, be they ranking events, invitation events, whatever they might be. And Kyron's actually number two on that list, um, which, you know, obviously a, a match at the Crucible is harder to win than a match in the Championship League. But, you know, he has been one of the most consistent players of the last few seasons. Um, also the second best player on the tour with the rest um, uh, and I uh, just want to get that in there just you know <laughs> um, but no uh, what I will say about Kyron is Kyron's, Kyron's got the game he's building the game to go deep at Sheffield you know all players want to perform well in every event they play and of course they do but I know that he is he is marking his card to try and prepare himself at the start of the season for Sheffield come April. It's all about that journey for him um, and winning and winning major trophies. Now, he's not won any of them yet, but he's been very close in them all. And I don't think it'd be long. It could be a floodgate moment for someone like Kyra. And if he wins one of them, he could win, he could win the set. Um, very solid technique, very strong belief in his own game. Uh, and when he's on, super hard to beat absolutely there's a tag in snooker that, that some players get labelled with which is they're a crucible player that's incredibly true about Karen Wilson he is a crucible player and I think over the next few years we're going to see that more and more and more with him that he can go deep in those big events he just I think you're probably right he just needs something to click and for that first one to happen the first major one to happen and then the floodgates could well go but yeah, keep an eye on Kyron. He, he he works hard. He's a grafter. He's a good family man. He, he practices a lot. He will uh, he will do some damage. Number seven in the world. Um, I smile already just looking at this man's name. He is the Welsh potting machine, Mark Williams. 24 ranking event wins. Started off last season by winning the British Open. Started off on fire. Final of the shootout last year, amazingly. Semi-finals of the Masters. He lost incredibly to Neil Robertson. I still don't know how he lost that match. It was crazy. But Mark Williams, he's one of those players, if, if he turns up, if he's playing as he can play, he can win any tournament, can he? Yeah, I think, and I think he, along with the other members of the class of 92, Higginses and O'Sullivan's, um, you know, uh, they, they, no matter how they're playing, what the form book says, whatever they've done in their last match or last tournament is irrelevant to, 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 a, to a large degree. They turn up their threats, um, they can win, you know, Mark can win any tournament he enters. Um, he, you know, he can produce, he can be playing very, very poorly or very average snooker and then produce snooker from the gods the next frame. Um, you know, with, with with those players, with that class of player, you never take your foot off the gas. Um, in fact, we were chatting there recently. We, we, we played golf together in the Pro-Am at the Kazoo Welsh Open in Celtic Manor uh, last week. 
And um, has he actually we, moved we... in there yet? By the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Well, no, I think they've asked him to leave. Oh, have they? Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. But we, we were just having a joke about um, a match we played. We played a final out in Guangzhou a few years ago. Um, and, um, you know, it was such a high standard final. Um, and I think it still leaves a bit of a sore note that, that I managed to get across the line in that match. But I said to him, listen, I'm sure you've got enough time to polish those world trophies and those other tournaments. So I'm sure you can let me have that one. <laughs> They, they they say that someone that, that plays or, or fights without fear is always dangerous. And Mark Williams is one of those people because he doesn't fear losing. If he loses, he, he goes off, he has a kebab, he has a Budweiser, and it, within an hour he's forgotten the fact that he lost a, a snooker match. It just does. He doesn't dwell. He doesn't dwell at all. And that for me, that that's quite an amazing quality in some ways. He can play in some of these massive, huge matches. It just doesn't affect him if he loses, so he can just move on that makes him even more dangerous on the table than it would otherwise. So, Matt Williams can win anything. World number six, Zhao Xintong. Now, Xintong, what a season last season. Won the UK Championship, backed it up by winning the German Masters as well. However, people are saying in Championship League that's just gone, they're, they're saying that he choked a little bit. And it was Championship League, so it's not massive pressure, but they're, they're saying he should... He should have got through that. All he had to do was avoid a 3-0 defeat, I think, to Luca Brasella. I think it was. Um, and he didn't. He got he got beat 3-0. So people are saying he choked. Do you think there could be something in that? Do you think maybe he could be feeling the pressure a little bit? Yeah, I've seen a bit of that chat on, on socials. And um, I think it's a bit early to be for people to be accusing him of, of choking or brinkmanship or whatever it might be, whatever, you know, whatever the, whatever the phrase is this week. Um, doing the rounds on Twitter and stuff. But, um, uh, you know, this is a guy who burst onto the scene a few seasons ago. We all knew how talented he was, that he was coming, he was going to be trouble. Um, and, you know, you know, not only won the UK last season, but then backed it up and, you know, he didn't just win the Germans. He demolished his friend and practice partner, Jan Bintau, in the final. Demolished him. Um, so... I mean, this is a guy who can play snooker to a very serious, serious level. Still a very young man as well. Got so much to learn, um, but has been very successful super early in his career. There is going to come a time where, you know, the rea reality is going to catch up with him. He is going to have to learn a different style of play. He's, he's, he's aggressive, going for everything, potting everyone. That isn't going to last. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how he learns and copes with you know, learning to find a B and a C and a D game. You know, we talk about how good someone like a Mark Selby is with his B game, Higgins with his B game. Zintong doesn't have a B game yet. If he plays his best, he could beat anybody. But if he doesn't play his best, he could lose to anybody. Um, and, you know, perhaps that, what, perhaps I didn't see the match, but perhaps that's what happened to, you know, the match against Brussel. I've not seen it myself, but... Ronnie O'Sullivan has taken him under his wing. He's he's sort of helping him out with bits of coaching and tips and advice. I can think of worse mentors to have in the game, let's be honest. So it'll be interesting to see how Shinton goes this season. Right, the world number five is the Wizard of Wishaw, John Higgins, a legend of, of sports, not just snooker. 31 ranking event wins, including four world titles. Four finals last season, lost them all, three of them, by just one single frame. What can we expect from John this season? Yeah, do you know, I don't know. Um, because on top of that, you know, he also, until a couple of seasons ago, didn't he have two or three world finals on the bounce as well? And, and I don't think he won any of those either. And I, th I think no matter who you are, um, you, there's only so much punishment you can take, you know, before it starts leaving these mental scars. We spoke about it earlier on, about another player and, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, that, that those scars they run deep, uh, and of course, John he was very honest uh, in some of his interviews. Um, you know, having lost these finals, uh, but he said a few things that I thought were quite dangerous for his own subconscious. You know, he said, "Oh, I'm past it." You know, I haven't, I haven't got, I haven't got it in me anymore. Words to that effect. Anyway, I wouldn't want to misquote him, but but words to that effect. You know, I don't think I can mix it anymore. I can't do. I, and, of course, your subconscious is listening to that information. Um, so when he gets in the next final, he's now less likely to win it again because uh, that's what he's programmed his brain to think. Um, and somebody who's won so much and been so successful, 
um, you know, if you if you program your brain with the wrong software, uh, it will come out on the table. And and he just for me, you just want to be careful that um, in, you know as he comes to the end of his career, which he is doing, no 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 doubt, um, that he doesn't talk himself out of it. It's funny though, isn't it? Because he got to four ranking event finals last season. Now most players on the tour would call that a bloody good season. Four ranking event finals in one year, that's amazing. I wouldn't put it past John to get to four ranking event finals and win all four this year. And and that's how good John John Higgins is. And he could do that. Time will tell. We shall see. Moving on then. Well, I got to three, I got to three finals last season, but that's because I was working for BBC. So, <laughs> you know, I know how hard it is. <laughs> oh, well, well done, Sean. Good work. The world number four is the Thunder from down under, Neil Robertson, 23 ranking event wins. Now, transverses to John Higgins, he's won five out of his last six ranking event finals. He won the English Open last season. He won the Players' Championship, the Tour Championship, plus the Masters. He got the 147 at the Crucible. He's had a fair old break over the summer, I think, as Neil. But looking at last season, he's deserved it, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a there's a there's a vein of thought that says, you know, if you take a few extra weeks off at the start of the season, you might be a bit fresher come the end of the season. Particularly if you're one of the marquee players like Neil is, and of course, he had a lot of success last season in the Kazoo series towards the end of the season, and perhaps he again is, is citing that sort of February, March, April time of those big events where he wants to be fresher, and so he's choosing to play less snooker at this start part of the season. Um, of course, you know, when you're one of the most successful people in the game, you can pick and choose and you can play when you want, can't you? And he's just so easy on the eye when he's in play. Um, you know, a very strong technician, has a very, very solid, repeatable technique. Um, one of the best long potters we've ever seen uh, in the game. Uh, excellent break builder on his day. Proper, proper player. And, you know, is going to go down as one of the greatest players we've ever seen. Absolutely. He's a, he's a lovely man with a lovely family and he wears lucky socks so you can never, ever count him out. Okay, moving on to world number three. Mark Selby, four-time world champion, um, you know, what, 20 ranking titles. Last season, well-documented issues that, that Mark had away from the table. Um, we all hope, obviously, that, that, that Mark is, uh, is overcoming that and, and handling all that. I know he's getting a lot of help and, and he's tackled it and he's raised a lot of awareness as well. There's, there's a lot on this season for him because he's got a lot of ranking points coming off. He kind of needs a big season, doesn't he? he? He certainly does if he's to remain one of the top, top players, you know, up there in the top three, four, five. Yeah, he'll have to go big this season to defend all those points. But, you know, this is a guy who's, you know, four-time world champion. He's, he, you know, he is now. Um, you know, he, he, it wouldn't matter if he never won another snooker tournament in his life. Um, that's not going to happen, by the way. <laughs> he, he is going to win again. <laughs> Um, uh, but but you know this is someone who now has achieved beyond his wildest dreams. You know when we set out as children together in the junior clubs of the Willie Thorne Snooker Centre in Leicester as nine ten year old boys, we used to sit and watch grandstand on a Saturday afternoon between our little best of three matches and watch you know as the snooker was on and the pro in Leicester Willie Thorne would be there and this that and we dream and we dreamt big. And Mark has achieved every single dream that he set out to achieve. A wonderful player, all-round player, um, and a really nice guy away from the table. We've had lots of great times over the years as friends. We've had some great matches, you know, as, as professionals. Um, and we'll have some more in the future, I, I'm sure. But the one good thing for me, the, the thing I always take away, is that when we both hang our cues up, whenever that is, you know, we've got a friendship that's going to see our way through till we're old, grumpy men. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> when you're an old grumpy man. Grumpier men. Oh, grumpier and older. Okay, fair enough. Well, look, my only wish for Mark is that we, we see him back. He's fit, he's well, he's healthy, he's all good. Um, and I'm sure he will be because he's, he's, a, he's one of the greats of the game. The world number two is the ace in the pack, Judd Trump. 23 ranking titles. He won the, the Turkish Masters and Champion of Champions. Quiet season for him last year, really, compared to how it has been recently. Crucible finalist, he could turn it just back on and, and go and do six or seven titles again, couldn't he? Yeah, he could. Um, phenomenal player. Uh, phenomenal talent. Uh, it probably doesn't get talked about enough. 
Um, but but he, you know he has a couple of you know idiosyncrasies in his technique and the way he times the ball. He gets himself offline. He re-diverts his cue action on the way through the ball, connects everything up with his talent. He's always had it. It's something he's, he's always done. When he does it, he could literally pot any ball on the table. And he's so hard to defend against. That's what I've found playing him, you know, in some big, big matches down the years. He's just hard to keep in his chair because he will pot you off the table. If you give him a chance, you know, was the old saying, give him an inch, they'll take a mile. And he is the snooker equivalent of that. You think you've played a good shot, got him in trouble. He pots one down the cushion and clears up. And you're like, right, OK. Um, I'm going to have to hide the cue ball behind the yellow every <laughs> shot here to stand a chance. He's a phenomenal player. Um, and actually, you know, when he got on the tour, didn't know him at all. Uh, we were in completely different generations coming through the amateur ranks. But the last couple of seasons, we'd have you know, uh, spent time together. Maybe it was, you know, working for BBC or just going deep in tournaments or at some charity events or whatever it might be. Uh, and he's actually a very, very nice young man as well to boot. So uh, he's got the full package for me. Yeah, he's a great guy. And just just on what Sean's just said there, for any snooker fans that haven't actually seen this and noticed it, and any non-snooker fans coming into snooker to watch for the first time, just watch Judd's cue action because what Sean's just said there is absolutely right. And the first time you see it, it's actually quite astounding. He seems to line his cue up off the line of the shot and then he just adjusts it at the last second and, and somehow he, he pulls off these miraculous shots. But it, it's a very, very strange cue action. So, so just watch it. It's very effective. Let's be honest. He's won more titles than anyone else in the last three, four years. So it does very, very well. But it's, it, when you first spot it, it's quite a weird thing to watch. So just keep an eye out for, uh, for Judd's cue action. And then finally then, the world number one, a man who needs little introduction, really. The Rocket, Ronnie O'Sullivan. He is the world champion, arguably the greatest ever player in the history of the sports. Won the greatest ever sportsman. Um, he lost 10-9 to Fan Zhengji in the, the European Masters final before the Crucible. And then he came back and won in Sheffield. Um, that was incredible, wasn't it? It was absolutely incredible uh, what Ronnie achieved at the Crucible this year. You know, of course been spoke about quite a bit. I think he's being followed around by a documentary crew. Um, that's going to be coming out at some stage. That'll be very interesting to see. Um, but, but, but you know, with Ronnie, it, it's almost like it's almost like he just turns it on when he wants, isn't it? it, it you know, it is like that. It can't be like that. You know, sport isn't that easy. You can't win when you want to. But it, it does look like that sometimes when you watch Ronnie play, you know, when he gets that look in his eye and you can tell he's up for it and the desire is strong, you know, and I don't think it's an argument anymore. I think he is the greatest snooker player of all time. Yeah, I, th I think he has to be. And, and he, he won at the he Crucible. Is. He is the reigning world champion. Therefore, he can do anything. That is the top 16. We, Sean, are risking becoming a snooker podcast. So warm yourself up. After this, it's time for Sean's rant. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to the 147 Podcast with Sean Murphy and Phil Seymour. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to interact with us across all forms of social media at 147pod. That's the words, at 147pod. Okay, now someone did correct you last week when you, uh, when you had a go about the wonderful wasps. People said, no, actually, they are pollinators. They do great things, so we can't get rid of wasps. 
So anyway, so that was last week's rant blown out the water. I have my stopwatch ready. You have one minute and 47 seconds. It will start when I say rant. It will end with the klaxon of doom. Are you ready, Sean? I'm ready. Three, two, one, rant. This week's rant of the week is Manchester United. (laughs) What is going on at Manchester United? It's an absolute joke. I've been following this team for most of my life. I used to go to Old Trafford regularly when I lived in Manchester. My friend, who's no longer here, we used to sit together we dream together. We'd follow the team. We went to the Champions League final together. The glory days are just over. We talk about the class of 92 in snooker. The class of 92 at Man United was bigger and better than they were even. What has happened to my team now? I watched them at the weekend last week. They couldn't beat Brighton and Hove Albion. Got snooker, uh, snooker journalist Hector Nuns. I can hear him <laughs> across the country laughing at me. It's ridiculous. I've got to go and face these people at snooker tournaments. It's just a joke. They're watching. They don't track back. They're not watching the ball. They're not tracking their man. It's like they're just not bothered. It's so it's so hard to watch. And of course. This is what Liverpool fans had to live through, isn't it? I'm 10 years into it now. 10 years into that 30 years of garbage that Liverpool fans had to suffer when their great team of the 70s and 80s collapsed. This is what's happened at Old Trafford. They have collapsed. 74,500 people every week at Old Trafford going to watch absolute crap. It's really started to wind me up. I just can't get my breath anymore. When Alex Ferguson retired, I thought we'd take a few years to get it out of our system. Then we'd be back on track. Back on track. It's been horrific. It's been so hard. I don't even want to watch matches anymore. That is the clacks. I've got to say, Sean, as a Leeds United fan, don't about one minute, 47 seconds. I could have listened to one hour, 47 minutes of that rant, if I'm honest. However, we have just had a tweet from uh, from Greta Thunberg who says that you should be banned and she's put hashtag plastic. Not sure what she's talking about there, Sean. Yeah, me and, me and you are going to fall out here, Phil. You're, you're lucky that there's a body of water between us. We could so, fall out at any stage. If any football fans whatsoever would like to have a real good laugh at Sean's rant this week, please tweet us at 147pod or on Facebook at 147pod and Instagram as well. Go on, get into his ribs because it's wonderful. By the way, I don't know if you saw Leeds, Leeds won at the weekend. We beat Wolves. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, that Rob Walker, that Rob Walker's good, isn't he, as an MC? He's good. Shut your face, Murphy. Anyway, right, moving on then. That was Sean's rant. Let's go on some listener questions, because we've gone big on snooker. Right, now, first of all, just to say, last week, Philip Greaves on Instagram asked us, which is harder, a 147, a hole-in-one, or a nine-darter? And I said I had a plan. I can't tell you exactly what's coming. However, we are going to have... One of the biggest names in the world of darts. We're going to have one of the biggest names in the world of golf. And we're going to have Sean from Snooker <laughs> to finally thrash this debate out on an upcoming podcast. Okay. So we are going to get the three sports of darts, golf, and snooker together. Between them, they are going to thrash it out. They will fight their corners. It will will go until the bloody end. Let's be honest. It's it's just going to carry on. But we will resolve that discussion once and for all so philip greaves on instagram hold that thought there is a big big podcast coming your way very very soon so we move on Uh, adam rhodes on i think he was on facebook actually he's asked the question sean how often do pros play money matches in clubs now i know this used to be a big thing didn't it when there wasn't so much of a tour well, it was a big thing when I was growing up, that's for certain. You know, in the amateur days, you know, even junior days, I remember playing matches for a lot of money, you know, um, perhaps unaware that, you know, uh, my, my dad had stumped up the cash to play. And, you know, sometimes it was the only way to get a good player to play you. So for that match practice, you, you know, you had to almost pay for it. You know, if you lost, you get cost. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be massively aware of it happening that much anymore I, I think you know a lot of the pros uh, certainly the pros on tour I should say you know would be very busy you know preparing and practicing when they when they're you know between events um, they might play each other for a few quid here or there 
just 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 so that you know whoever loses has to buy the round of teas or something <laughs> at the interval or did they have to hand the fiver or tenner over in front of their mates in the snooker club just something like that to keep their interest but i don't think those official money matches of yesteryear happen there they're very big in pool you know in the world of english pool very big it's yeah. massive it's massive uh, and there'd be a good player now from dublin called george tierney who's very very active on that circuit um he's not quite the conor mcgregor of the pool world <laughs> but he does like to talk his opponents into the ring i'll give him that okay interesting very interesting to know i'll look out for the name uh we've got a question here alfie deakin on instagram and katie thompson uh from facebook both asked who our inspirations are either now or when we were younger okay well i i had um my, my old maths teacher, Dr. Hughes, who, who was brilliant. He, he was one of those teachers that really sort of engaged me. He, he, when I was a kid, he was someone I really looked up to. He's passed away, sadly. He passed away when I was about 17. But uh, a great, great man who inspired me when I was younger. Um, personally, do you know, I take inspiration from all over the place. Um, my, my son goes to the gym with me and we, we, we go to the gym, we walk up the stairs and we go our separate ways and we both train. But knowing he's there... And seeing him training and working harder pushes me on. So if I'm on a treadmill, I, I won't stop until I've done whatever distance I aim to do because I know he's there and I, and I don't want to come off and him see me. Um, social media, there's a lot of talk of social media depressing people because they see other people's perfect lives or they see other people doing things they'd like to do. You see, I view that the other way. If I, if I see friends on social media doing amazing things... I, you know that that inspires me. That I'm I'm chuffed for them for a start off. You know I think it's fantastic. Social media is not real, by the way. You only see what people want you to see. But I get inspired by that. So if I see a friend doing a skydive or, or climbing a mountain or or fulfilling a dream, winning a world championship or whatever it is they do, that that inspires me. I take that that way. So personally, I get inspiration from all over the place. Yourself? Yeah, I, I actually this is going to sound really cliche and cheesy, but Chris Henry, my coach. Uh, it's been a lifelong friend of mine, you know, you know, obviously we met through snooker, but we've become a very dear friend and um, we celebrated his 50th birthday about six, or seven years ago. Um, and I remember uh, sort of making a bit of a speech at his, at his party um, before, you know, we got far too drunk to say anything uh, with any semblance <laughs> of uh, normality. But um I actually find myself thinking and looking at Chris as my inspiration. Actually, he's, 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 I remember saying, you know, if I could become a bit more like anyone, it would be Chris because he's, he's, he's a great character. He's good fun. He's engaging. Um, he has great control of himself and his emotions. And, you know, I've never seen him snap. I've never seen him raise his voice. Uh, he treats everyone with immense respect. He's very professional, very knowledgeable and just an all around decent bloke yeah he is lovely he's 56 57 is that is that right well i i, I mean i think so yeah i'll tell I think you so. what he's, he's looking very well on it as well yeah i'm well i'm sure it was his 50th um with my 40th coming up maybe i'm just forgetting i don't know but we <laughs> we celebrated somebody's 50th that night i'm sure it was chris's <laughs> hey fair play he's looking very well on that kind of age then. fair enough right uh, sa kirby hudson on instagram Sean, seeing as you've played dressed as Iron Man, have you? Well, I, I wore a suit in the 2015 World Championships that got coined the Iron Man suit. Ah. It was a by complete mistake. You know, it, was a, <laughs> okay. it, it wasn't meant to be that, but it did. Well, they've asked, would you ever consider dressing as another Marvel character? We're getting to cosplay here, aren't we? If so, who? And who is the best Avenger? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, bearing in, I suppose with him being a god, you'd have, you'd have to say Thor is the best Avenger, wouldn't you? You know, being being one of the gods, you know, you'd have to give it to him. Um, I feel like if I dressed as Thor to play in snooker matches, the cape would get in the way, um, uh, and the hammer would be hard to hold and play snooker with. Well, you'd have to play with it, surely. You'd have to you'd use that instead of the, with the hammer. Of course, you could just throw the hammer from your chair, pot all the balls, and you wouldn't have to leave your chair, would it? It's starting to sound ideal. Um, I don't think the Hulk would have great touch play. I don't think he'd be very good in the balls. Um, he'd be smashing the balls up a bit too much. Um, Iron Man would have laser-like focus, wouldn't he? 
he'd be very accurate now. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think Thor being a god, we'll have to give it to Thor. Right, I'm I'm not really going to get into this discussion. However, what I will say is, I have never seen the referee Jan Verhas and Thanos in the same room. If you look at those two side by side, they are the same person. Jan Verhas is Thanos, or Thanos indeed is Jan Verhas. Okay, just check it out. Next time he's on TV, just have a look. He he's got that great big mitt with the jewels in backstage. Trust me, it's all there. He's Thanos. Anyway, uh, moving just on, on. Just on that, also just make the quick point though that whilst we're going down that road, myself and Batman have never been seen in the same room. But yeah, but neither of you are Mister Tumble, to be fair, of you. So. <laughs> My, you leave my chief waistcoat designer out of this. Look, do you know what? It's your birthday tomorrow, so I can get these all in tonight. It's all good. Okay, Snooker Mania on Twitter. We've, we've already mentioned Stephen Hendry pulling out of the Northern Ireland Open. Um, he's asked what our honest opinions are on invitational tour cards. I think we kind of covered this earlier on a little bit. Personally, I'm, I'm of the, the belief that the likes of Stephen Hendry, the likes of, of Jimmy, the likes of Ken, Doherty, players like this have done enough in the sport to warrant it. Um, some people say that it, it's blocking young up-and-coming players. Personally, I, I don't buy that. There's 128 tour cards. There's top-ups, as we've said before, so people that don't get a tour card, if they're good enough, will get on. If, if you are good enough, you will get a tour card. I, I believe personally, that's my own personal belief, and I just think it's good for the sport to have the likes of Jimmy, Steve, and Ken, these, these players on the tour, I think it's good for the tour. Also, the, the the female players who I think their tour cards. I don't think there's so much invitation on now, are there? I think that it's part of the qualification process that if they win certain things, they get them. Again, I think it's great to have them on the tour. It's it's good for the sport in general. Um, and you know, I think a few of these invitation tour cards. I don't think that's a bad thing. What do you reckon, Sean? Yeah, no, I think there's room for everyone. To be honest, I think there's room. If you're good enough, you'll get through. And um, there's plenty of opportunities to get through Q School, Q Tour. Uh, and a lot of other ways onto the tour as well. Um, I think players like like Hendry have earned the right to pretty much play whenever they want. I think what grinds people's gears, there's two elements to this. I think what you know, I, I'd love it if Stephen played a bit more. You know, that, that I, I I would love that. I think you know, fair play to Ken and Jimmy. They rock up to every tournament pretty much. They they put the suit on. They go out and try and play. Um, uh, but, you know, like we said earlier on, they move the needle. You know, when they play, it ge- generates interest. Jimmy still packs out the exhibition tours that he does, seniors and the rest. You know, when Stephen plays, people take notice. I, I wish he'd play a little bit more. I think what, what, what annoys people as well is it, it, it does have a sniff. These invitational tour cards that Stephen, Ken, Jimmy and a few others have been given, uh, uh, the, you know, the, there isn't there isn't a necessarily a, a it might be in a safe somewhere in Barry Hearn's office but there doesn't necessarily seem to be any criteria for those it's as if you know he just gives them out uh, as he sees fit but you know if that is the case then i think they i think they've probably earned it yeah I, I would agree with that so personally i don't see a problem with it right now there's there's loads of other questions but we are getting tight on time so we're going to have to shelve those however We've got them all noted down. I will get as many as we can into the next podcast in a couple of weeks' time. So Hayden Pinney, Steffi from Instagram, Dan Harris on Twitter, Chris Lee on Twitter, Ryan Walker on Twitter, Adam Rhodes on Facebook. We will do our best, level best, to get your questions in on the next podcast. But for now, we need to finish off with our pointless question. Now, our pointless question this week was actually sent in by a listener as well. These were just questions I was I was digging up from nowhere, but this time, Jew Delicious on Twitter, who is one of our German snooker fans. Um, she has sent us a question, which I think is a, a real deep one. The pointless question this week, Sean, is you have to lose either your sight or your memories. Which would you choose? Well, I did have a think about this, but um, I can't remember which one I chose. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. That is really bad. Do you I know? Mean, it would have to be. It would have to be. Um, it'd have to be memories, wouldn't it? It would oh. have to be memories. I think if you'd watched enough of my matches over the last couple of seasons, you could be. You know, you could be. You could be forgiven for for thinking I'd lost my sight some time ago. Um, but uh, no, I think you'd have to lose your memories I'm because you know you'd make the new other memories way. with your sight. Well, you'd make new memories. 
I'm completely the other way. Yeah, but at your age, Sean. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, I went with sight. Now, as I've said before, I live for moments. I, I live for, for having sort of lived, lived certain things. And if those memories were all gone, that, that would that would be devastating. Um, and I know losing your sight is devastating as well. It's, it's a terrible thing. Just on that, though, Commonwealth Games last week, I watched the um, the para bowling, bowls. The, the, well, you couldn't do that if you lost your sight, would you? Well, you would think that. I was watching a, a person who was completely blind playing flat green bowls. And they had a guide behind them telling them how far the jack was, where it was, blah, blah, blah. They, they'd positioned themselves on the mat, on the rubber mat. I saw her, her, she was like feeling each side of the mat to make sure she was dead centre on it. And she she pulled the ball down and it finished sort of three inches from the jack. Mm. And I looked at it and I thought, that is absolutely incredible. I mean, incredible. how how inspiring is that? I think someone that, that can't see can can do something like that. So for that reason, as much as anything, I would lose my sight and keep my memories. So... What would you do out there in podcast land? Which would you? You have to lose one or the other. What are you going to go with? Sight or memories? Judylicious on Twitter. Thank you very much for the question. If you've got any questions you would like to ask us for future podcasts, please get them in Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at 147pod. Now coming up, I know it's not snooker or anything else. However, 29th of August, Bank Holiday Monday, ITV4, Sports Stars Fishing Championship, um, I hosted, I host it every year. I did some of the Bankside interviews as well. It's an amazing program. You've got the likes of Steve Davis on there. You've got Barry Hearn on there. We had Michael Watson, the boxer, David Seaman. We had some some real top-level sports people, the likes of Gary Anderson and James Wade from the Worlds of Darts. Amazing things. That's 29th of August on ITV4. What have you got coming up, Sean, apart from your birthday tomorrow? Is fishing a sport? Yes. It's the okay. second biggest participation sport in the UK after football. I, I know there's plenty of people that do it, yeah. And it's uh, Fisher Mania's on Sky Sports. Sports. Yeah. Sports. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, no, I, I see the picture you're trying to paint. Yeah, no, I get that. Um yeah, no, it's all birthday plans for me. It's all birthday to the big four oh. Um I you know, I must be due a midlife crisis, wouldn't I, by now? <laughs> What's it gonna be? I don't know. Um it could be a you know Peter Wright from the darts from PDC. I might start having a Peter Wright hairstyle every week. I'm oh, sure. do it, do it, go on, Sean. Um, I don't know whether to do that. It's either that a motorbike or I don't know something ever something else terribly cliche. I've not worked it out yet. Well, I don't know, but let's face it, we already know if you reach a ranking event final, you're moonwalking to the table, aren't you? We know that. That's already agreed, Sean. Well, I've start, I've started practicing the moonwalk. So I'll be ready. So you should. So you should. Sean, have an absolutely wonderful birthday tomorrow. I'm sure that you will. Um, We shall be back again in a fortnight's time. As I said before, any questions, get them in at 147pod. But for now, Sean, I'll say bye-bye. Adieu. That was the 147 podcast with Sean Murphy and Phil Seymour. If you enjoyed what you've just listened to, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review and interact with us across all forms of social media at 147pod. That's all words at 147pod. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 